It's time to set our intentions, set our self-care, and find our focus. This is Mindful Mondays with Sahara Ali on KBLA Talk 1580. And we are so fortunate to have with us every single week a, a meditation instructor, a sound bath expert and sound healer. She's also a life coach and a mindfulness coach as well. So many talents this lady has. Uh, Sahara Ali, welcome, welcome. Good morning, Dominique and the KBLA family. And happy Dr. Martin Luther King Day. MLK Day. Yay. Welcome to Mindful Monday, where we get our minds right for the week by setting positive intentions to honor our mind and body through meditation, prayer, and affirmation as we step unapologetically into our week, being on purpose with faith, truth, power, and wisdom. Our call to action this week is to embrace the wisdom of self-love, owning the cycles of nature within, willing to heal our fear of self-empowerment. The universe is asking us to believe in ourselves, erase temptation, and doubt to stand strong in our power, as Dr. Martin Luther King's life has shown us. It's time to plant new seeds, recalibrate our consciousness, and move towards the direction of our highest good, celebrating self-love. Dr. King said, hatred paralyzes life, and love releases it. Hatred confuses life, and love harmonizes it. And hatred darkens life, and love illuminates it. Now is the time to shine our light and to go for what we know, releasing hatred of any kind, self-hatred, hatred to other people. It's time to release that judgment and lean into our intuition, trusting all things are possible. Most of all, not to black down as we are called to change and break old habits. The season is right to reboot. It's time to reboot ourselves, creating new patterns of change, releasing misery, Focusing our minds, bodies, and spirit to walk in faith, knowing with God all things are possible. It's possible to just do you, to be bold, to be big, and not to black down. So going forward with our Mindful Monday meditation, pause for a moment, be here now, take a breath, and be willing to look deep in your heart. Just quiet your mind. Center yourself, ground yourself. Take a breath. Send that breath through your entire body. And as you exhale, open yourself to listen to your soul's calling. Listen to your soul's calling to be authentic and to just do you. Breathe and relax. Open yourself. Open yourself to your inner genius. Open yourself to all the dynamics that support you in the unfoldment of your best life. Take the biggest breath that you've had all morning. Hold that breath and imagine a light shining over your entire body. And as you exhale, willingly open, letting go, letting God, trusting your wholeness, feeling grounded. Now inhale, feeling this light surrounding your body and open yourself to the process of healing, to the gift of surrendering, 
surrendering everything out of your mind, your body, and your spirit, and to be in this moment, to let this light illuminate you inside and out. Take a breath, relax, center, feel grounded. Now inhale, hold that breath for a moment and check in. Are you here? Are you focused? Are you mindfully embracing this? Exhale, releasing whatever's blocking the transformation in your life that's impeding your growth and preventing you from leveling up. Just relax. Relax, center, ground yourself, and rethink who you're willing to be. Now inhale and feel all the love in your heart radiating joy right here, right now. Shifting your mind from lack to abundance and finding the joy within, letting go of misery, suffering, judgment, hatred. Let it go right here, right now. Now inhale and allow yourself to rethink. And as you exhale, allow yourself to feel emotionally lifted, releasing burdens and stagnation right here, right now. Relax. Just breathe. Opening yourself to your power and your truth. Now inhale Feel your angels gracing you with empowerment, focus, and abundance. Exhale, mindfully accept the empowerment and freedom that our ancestors have died for, for you to be here, to be in your power, to be in your truth. Now inhale and make a promise to stand unapologetically trusting change and empowerment. And as you slowly exhale, be still and listen and just breathe, opening yourself to honor our Mindful Monday affirmation for the week. Just relax, taking a big breath, taking a little more, and exhale Listen with your heart, listen with your mind, listen with your spirit. Listen with love, listen with compassion, our affirmation for the week. Today, I find harmony within, celebrating wholeness, ready to just do me with grace and love. Today, I find harmony within, celebrating wholeness, ready to just do me with grace and love or to just do you. Thank you, Dominique. Thank you, Tavis Smiley. Thank you, Miles and the KDLA family. Have an unapologetic, mindful, blessed week. And just do you. Do you bold. Do you with happiness. Do you with joy. Do you with self-love. Do you to open yourself to what's authentically yours, to celebrate this power of 2024, a year of transformation and wholeness, allowing us to embrace and benefit from just being who we are. Thank you for that message, Sahara Ali. I think we can all um, use a dose of it and appreciate your grounding and centering us for the week ahead. 
Uh, keep it locked. We'll let you know soon. Uh, before too much time passes, we'll do some readings around here. But in the meantime, if you'd like to connect with Sahara Ali, whether it be for a sound bath or maybe a yoga class or a personal consultation for life coaching, astrology, and more, you can call Elise, which is Sahara's assistance name. Elise is at 213-628-9783. That's 213-628-9783. Or you can go to saharaali.com. Always, always, always appreciate you, Sahara. It is MLK Day today. Um, The parade is on here in Los Angeles, as they are in many spots across the country. This one starts at 10 a.m. Right down, King. Well, it always says it starts at 10 a.m. at 10 a.m. ish uh, Pacific Standard Time. And so, you know, KBLA will be there most especially for the festival um, here in Lamert Park. We are co-sponsors of that. So come on out and hang out with us. Meet meet uh, the team from KBLA. We'll be out and about um, in at the festival after the parade, hanging out with you. Also, um, really want to thank everyone who attended the big climate justice um, press conference that we had on Friday. Tell you what happened if you missed it. I did live stream, as I promised Molly Bell and others I would do, but uh, give you more of a sense of of what happened and where we're going with this uh, when we come forward. It does feel like a very fitting initiative to launch in the spirit of Dr. King that is, um, that's the chosen, the reason for the chosen timing on this. Also, it was lovely to see everybody at the LA uh, County Federation of Labor uh, Martin Luther King breakfast uh, featuring Justin Pearson, the uh, lawmaker from Tennessee, and, and of course, Reverend Lawson. So many things going on this year with the, of the honoring of, of Reverend Lawson with the new. Um, award from the SCLC now being given in his name that was launched um, on Sunday. And then uh, the naming of a mile along Adams uh, between Arlington and Crenshaw, right passing through where his church, the Holman United Methodist Church, still sits. Um, So lots and lots of very festive and wonderful things going on this MLK Day. And uh, I'd love to hear from you. How do you celebrate? Also, here's another uh, MLK Day kind of thing, uh, which is Rustin. They had a screening of it after the dedication of a- of Adams Boulevard, that mile being dedicated to James Lawson, who, of course, is one of uh, Martin Luther King's uh, closest advisors, one of the leading scholars on nonviolence and nonviolent direct action in the world. And um, also just an influencer of and, and trainer of generations of activists, one of the architects of the civil rights movement. He, um, he's been honored with this street naming and, and, and a new um, award. And he was also celebrated at the uh, L.A. Federation of Labor MLK breakfast, where he also gave an award to Justin Pearson in a kind of passing of the torch moment. Lots and lots of great things going on. But I wasn't able to stay for that screening. I did watch it over the weekend, though. Did anybody see Rustin? What did you think of the movie? It's, of course, um, focused on the life of Rustin Bayard 
and his role in the civil rights movement, something mostly unsung uh, until recently, and that may partly be because of his LGBTQ plus identity. But certainly, uh, I watched it. I had some takeaways. I'd love to hear yours if you have something to say about it. A great topic of conversation on this MLK Day. And we'll look at some headlines, what's going on around the country, around the world. All that straight ahead. 800-920-1580. Get in on this. 800-920-1580. I'm Dominique DePrima for KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Keep out of reach. The conversation continues right now, right now, right now with now, Dominique now. DePrima on First Things First. First. Things first. Yeah, so happy MLK Day to you. Um, I'd love to hear from you as always. 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580. So I did watch um, Netflix um, Rustin um, film that actually came out last year, but it, it focuses on the life of Bayard Rustin, uh, has um, Coleman Domingo, um, playing the lead, Bayard Rustin. It's it's a it's an incredible performance, actually, a really uh, strong performance from him, and it's quite a cast. Um, Jeffrey Wright as Adam Clayton Powell. I thought that was a very bold and excellent casting choice. I always like Jeffrey Wright. He's just he's just a great actor. Um, Chris Rock is in it, of course. Glenn Turman, who is another one of those heavy hitters, heavyweights. Uh, Audra McDonald plays Ella Baker. Um, I love her in the uh, the Gilded Age. She's so good in that um, that HBO show, which I'm in love with. I just really like that show, The Gilded Age. But anyway, partly because it talks about class uh, and race, class, and uh, American capitalism in, in a way that we often do not hear. So it's, I don't know. I I was happy to see it. I feel like it, um, I don't, I'm not going to say it's perfectly historically accurate. And I probably missed a lot of the ways that, that it, um, isn't because I'm not going to, um, claim to be an expert on Bayard Rustin, but there were some things about it that I thought were really, really positive. Um, in in the sense that um, it's it names names and that that was something Megan Castillo was talking about last hour how many times I mean and sometimes that can be like preachy or feel not dramatic but for the most part they find ways to do it that are really uh, that really work right Um they, you know, they name the names of, of men and women in the movement who, who made a difference. Um, they um, go out of their way to make sure you know that even though there were white allies, uh, the civil rights movement um, and, and the incredible breakthroughs of Dr. King and others were black led. Right. It's not a white savior movie, although they do have white folks involved, which is also accurate. However, the fact that it's, um, you know, that it's really intentional. I, you can tell they, they're intentional about that. Um, 
it is it does go into Rustin's challenges as as an LGBTQ man, especially in that particular time when uh, you know LGBTQ plus discrimination was at a much higher level than it is. It only gets eighty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, that's not terrible, but I think it it for me it it might have been a little better than that. I you know, yeah, there's some even unevenness with some actors delivering just insanely great um performances. I mean, you can count on Glenn Turman always and others not quite up to speed with the, you know, the legends that they're working with. But I just I think it's better than that. I do think it's worth seeing and I love the way they incorporate the story of Rustin being a gay man, a gay black man, and and sort of the smears that were um, given against him and and the challenges that he had in his work as a civil rights leader because of that. But that's not the whole movie. It's part of the movie. It is a story about the civil rights movement. It it is a story about, um, you know, the March on Washington from a different viewpoint, the viewpoint of the organizers on the ground and I love that too because I feel like it's conscious about showing how there were so many different moving parts and how it's always the rank and file, the boots on the ground that really make it happen. And also the incredible accomplishment of putting a march um, of 200 plus thousand people together within just a matter of months. It's, it's nearly impossible, the kind of organizing and discipline that it, it takes to do something like that. Um, as we said, I think last week without Twitter, without uh, Instagram or any of those tools, I think it's worth seeing. I would I would recommend uh, that you see it. And, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. If you did see it, 809-20-1580, there's something to do on this MLK Day if you haven't done so yet. I, I wonder, you know, when you see it, it also highlights divisions between different uh, African-American power brokers, Adam Clayton Powell, the NAACP, um, and the, you know, SNCC, the March on Washington organizers, and even different factions within the same organizations, which is realistic, different philosophical. But, you know, uh, maybe maybe it's old fa- it's an old-fashioned way of thinking. I always have these little shudders like, should we be airing our dirty laundry um, in the mainstream, but I guess now it's ancient history. And it is also in understanding or an emphasis on the fact that black people are not a monolith. We think lots of different ways. We always have, you know, the people that felt that the nonviolent direct action movement was soft or that it was uh, somehow um, kowtowing to... um, you know, the demands of mainstream America. I love the way they are very clear about the undermining of the movement by the FBI and even the White House and the struggles that um, that take place, took place in order to make that happen. So, yeah, definitely something to do. But what else do we, we want to do? Well, there's a parade going on, as I mentioned. Um, starts at 10 and almost every city town across this country has a parade going on today, which is a testament to 
not just that this country loves to celebrate Dr. King, but again, to the activists on the ground, because that holiday would never have happened without people community, uh, people from the community organizing, without the SCLC organizing, without uh, my former boss, Stevie Wonder, organizing. These things um, make all the difference in the world. And so I think for me, I always try to remember, because it's easy to take it for granted, oh, there's always a a poster of MLK with an I have a dream quote and there's always a parade and a street name. Almost every black neighborhood in a major city in America now has an MLK Boulevard and you can bet there's black people and probably some blight (laughs) around there. But that didn't automatically happen. That happened because we organized and I think that is one of the reasons why for me it is so offensive when I see these right-wing pundits conservative anti-justice pundits using MLK, trying to pimp MLK, trying to extract the man in one or two lines from of his speeches from the legacy of radical struggle, from the legacy of change-making, of being an advocate for peace. And it is up to us as we parade and do our days of service and have these conversations to not allow that radical pro-black, anti-racist, pro-working people, right? Pro-worker, labor, philosophy that the late Dr. Martin Luther King and the people, the boots on the ground, the folks that got that stuff done um, and are still getting that stuff done had to put in the work they had to put in for that. So... Also, in another twist of irony, um, the 2024 caucuses are today. Republican uh, voters will weigh in on who should be their nominee. And it's funny because Trump has been more or less begging people to caucus today because it's cold. Just like it's cold in Cali and we've got a cold snap going on across the country. Thank you, climate emergency. It's supposed to be record cold today in Iowa. So Trump has been begging people, you don't know how things could go down. You have to go to the polls or go to the caucuses. It's not really a poll. Um, I just find that ironic for somebody who has spent the last, you know, four years, three years, whatever it is, undermining the effectiveness and honesty of our voting system. Uh, and so it's, for me, it was just bizarre to see him entreating voters to go down, um, to, to caucus today. And I guess now, because the, he who shall not be named, the former president is so far ahead in the polling, people are looking at whether or not he'll get above 50%, because if he gets above 50%, you know, the rest of those, um, the rest of those contenders look in unviable, completely, you know, unrealistic. So um, there's that. We can look at that and, and whether folks care enough to show up on a cold, 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 cold day. Uh, we can talk about that and more when we come forward after news, traffic, and sports on KBLA Talk 1580. The station you turn to when you had it up to here with cultural incompetence. KBLA Talk 1580.
KBLA Talk 1580, where hate loses and love wins. Yes, it does. And yes, we are. KBLA Talk 1580, KBMLK Day today. And um, I'm in here doing this, and I'm glad that you're with me. 809-201580 if you want to talk about it. So I was touching a little bit on New Hampshire. Um, <clears throat> I mean, excuse me, Iowa. New Hampshire's next. Um, and Nikki Haley is polling really well there. I mean, as Republicans go, she's at around 20%. They say it's within the margin of error, but uh, DeSantis is at 16, according to the latest polling. That's um, pretty significant. That's NBC News Mediacom data. And of course, he who shall not be named, the 45th president, has 48. He's polling at 48%. We'll see how the freezing cold temperatures impact that. If DeSantis comes in third, he may be getting closer to having to drop out because that's pretty humili- humiliating for him. Funders are starting to jump ship and go over to Haley. She may benefit from Chris Christie dropping out because Christie garnered some Republican voters that, you know, don't drink the Trump Kool-Aid, um, but still want to vote for a GOP candidate. They'll be clearly going to Haley. Um, most Chris Christie voters, not that there were so many of them, but sometimes, you know, that one or two percentage points can make a difference. Um, all the difference, actually. Sometimes those are not likely to be people that are going to run back to Trump since Christie's signature um, was criticizing the former president. And the other thing she got um, a boost from is there's a CBS poll that came out this weekend that showed that toe-to-toe with Joe Biden, Nikki Haley does better than Ron DeSantis, Um, actually, or Trump. So the poll showed that if Nikki Haley went up against Trump Today, she would win 53% to 45%, whereas for Trump and DeSantis, it's just a couple of percentage points. Now, I would argue that that is partly because people don't really know her, right? She hasn't been vetted and put in the glaring spotlight the same way that Mr. DeSantis has because of his stupid policies and taking on Disney and becoming the poster boy for don't say gay, anti-LGBTQ plus policies, anti-DEI policies, distorted black history. So he has subjected himself and been uh, scrutinized more by his opponents than Nikki Haley. I believe that when she deals with the reality of her being a brown-skinned confederate, that she'll lose some of that support. People think because she's a woman and she has a bigger vocabulary than DJT and she knows how to talk without veering off into weird, you know, conspiracy theories and strange observations. That means that she's more liberal or somehow more less dangerous. But the fact is, it's not the truth. Um, But we'll see if she comes in, does come in with a strong second place finish today. She could end up being the vice president. No, just kidding. She can maybe who knows? She hasn't turned she hasn't officially turned it down, which is interesting. But she could end up being the main opponent at this point, because 
um, New Hampshire, you know, is, is home turf for her. And so going from a strong Iowa showing to a good uh, haul in New Hampshire could really help her. Of course, it's looking more and more like the nominee will be um, the former president of the United States. And that is pretty scary. I feel like we, and I'm not just saying that, like I don't even want to say our democracy is at risk because I feel like I've been hearing that um, since, I don't know, 2016, 2020. But it is. I don't even want to say it because it sounds like hyperbole. Um, but it's not just us saying that. It's not just us talk radio heads and um, political junkies, news watchers. Two-thirds of Canadians surveyed this month. Two-thirds, right? Two out of three Canadians said American democracy cannot survive another four years of Donald Trump in the White House. And half of Canadians think that we, the USA, are on the way to becoming an authoritarian state. I'm smiling. That's laugh to keep from crying. It is not funny. There's nothing funny about it. I happen to agree with the Canadians. I do think we can stop this, but only if we don't throw up our hands and say it's inevitable, only if we don't get sucked into the polling, or only if we don't go to the other extreme, which I, I fell victim to in 2016, which is thinking there's no way. There's no way this guy can get elected. I remember saying that. I just didn't think it. I, I knew he was dangerous. I knew he had all this money. I knew there was a white lash going on in the post-Obama years, but I didn't think they would elect that dude, that dude as president. I didn't think y'all would do that. Well, I've learned my lesson, and I hope you have too, because if we do not fight, we will lose. We always say when we fight, we win. Well, if we do not fight, we will lose. And it's challenging, because right now we have to fight for what? I mean... You know, Joe Biden is going to be the Democratic nominee. There's no way around it. We're, it looks like we're going to have a rematch. Um, and his popularity polling is terrible, which is not surprising nor necessarily alarming in isolation. But given the set of circumstances that we're faced with, we had bad inflation numbers this latest round, and even if they continued to be good, the problem is for the average person, even if, if, if inflation stopped right now, prices stopped going up right now, everything is way more expensive than it was a year ago or two years ago, way more expensive. When you buy those groceries, they cost more. My gas bill is enough to make me just live in a, you know, in fuzzy pajamas all day and night. So... For consumers, we're still feeling that pain. And even though it's a global phenomenon, people all over the world are dealing with inflation. We blame our sitting president. That's what we always do. Fair or not fair, that's what we do, right? On top of that, you've got the situation in Gaza um, where, you know, this constant bombardment and the targeting of civilians has created um, a real problem. I mean, aside from the fact that, you know, people are 
being slaughtered. It's a real problem for the Biden administration because their response has been ham-handed and continues to be ham-handed. And there is a generation gap, um, you know, in the perception of what's happening in Israel. And this is what I have been saying um, without the polling, just based on what I know, uh, because I talk to people all the time and I just have common sense, which is that um, the younger generation is much more sympathetic with Palestinians. The younger generation, by a landslide, wants a ceasefire now. And older Americans have more favorable attitudes about, um, about Israel. This is according to the Brookings Institute. Um, even before this whole recent conflict, there has already been a generation gap um, not just among the general public, but also among Jewish Americans. Younger Jewish Americans are more likely to be empathetic to the plight of Palestine and Palestinian civilians. Um, and according to, also according to the Brookings Institute, overall Democratic sympathies have shifted. 49% of Democrats now sympathize with Palestinians, uh, 38% with Israelis. Now, th these numbers are from 2023, before what's going on now in Gaza. So it means that th this represents a real challenge um, to the Biden administration. They're trying to talk out of both sides of their mouth and yet, you know, continue to make these sort of weak pleas for Israel to stop killing civilians, but there are no consequences, there's no leverage, even though we're funding much of this. We don't say, hey, if you don't do X and Y, far right-wing Benjamin Netanyahu, you ain't getting the money. You know, none of that. It's like, uh, would you please maybe consider not killing babies? Um, and then, you know, as South Africa has taken to has taken Israel to the UN's High Court, Netanyahu comes out and says, "I don't care what they decide, even though those decisions um, that case can drag on for years." By the way, but they could have a, a you know some kind of preliminary um, directive in the next couple of weeks, and they're supposed to be binding. But Netanyahu has already given them the middle finger. I don't care. No one can stop our war except us. I don't care what y'all say, UN. I don't care what you say, Biden. That's a problem for Biden in 2024. Let's go to Johnny calling us from Long Beach. Hi, Johnny. Good morning, Dominic. How are you? I'm blessed. What's on your mind? You know, um, the people. Should, I, don't, I don't. I don't know if you. I know you talked about the, that project 2025. People should really think about that because it doesn't matter who gets to, who becomes in that office. Nikki Haley. She's gonna follow. She's gonna follow those guide, those those guidelines in that twenty that project twenty twenty five. They want to turn back. They want to turn back the hand the hands of time, and that should be more fearful because then Donald Trump running. And you know what, Dominic? When it comes down to it, we have a binary system here. Okay, 
is Trump versus Biden. And I think that when it comes down to it, people aren't going to put him back in office. I really believe that. But I could be wrong. Hmm. Well, <laughs> I, you know, it, it, to me, a really healthy democracy would have a, a number of different viable parties, right? Like they have in, mm-hmm. in European countries. We don't. We have Coke or Pepsi. That's all you get. Um, and they both taste the same. But there are differences. And I think uh, we, this is one of those times where I'm going to have to keep reminding myself because I'm mad at Biden about a bunch of things. Even though I celebrate, um, you know, I celebrate the progress that he's made on student loans and the fact that he's been doggedly trying to keep at it, even even though he's been shut down by the Supreme Court. I celebrate Katanji Brown Jackson. I celebrate Kamala Harris. I celebrate, you know, the uh, bipartisan infrastructure project and the fact that we're going to be we are investing excuse me, and green infrastructure, which creates good union jobs, which can come to us. I celebrate, you know, the attempts to set aside money for the black farmers. I celebrate many of the things the president has done, but yet, you know, the stumbles are big, 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 big. You know, Israel, Haiti, Cuba, um, and it goes on. Um, Continuing the conversation when we come forward, you're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Ancestors' favorite radio station. Radio station. And your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. Right now. So Johnny brought up Project 2025, uh, which is basically a plan for the first 180 days in office if... Uh, he who shall not be named is reelected. And I think, Johnny, what you're saying is it doesn't matter who's elected. 2025 will be, Project 2025 will be implementing their game plan. It's, it's being run by the Heritage Foundation. And it is quite um, scary. It's nefarious. This is a far right-wing conservative um, plan to transition. They call it a transition, um, presidential transition project. But it's really a transition into um, authoritarianism. It's really what it is. Um, that's that's what they um, have already lined up for Trump to do in his second term. You're saying Haley would do the same, of course. But I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to give, I wanted to segue to something else that I, and like a lot of people don't, probably don't know. When people say that Joe Biden is slow. Um, there's a correlation between stuttering and uh, dyslexia. And that's why he talks the way he does. And now, you know, I wish people, as far as him being old, you know, uh, you know I, I, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want anybody to do that to me. I'm in office. I think, you know, he, like you he said, he's done a lot. He's not, he's, he's done a good job thus far. Yeah, you know, he, in, he, in he has minutes. done some great things. I, I think he's being tainted by his foreign policy. And I think, you know, and also, you know, by the what you just said, the smear campaign about being old. Well, he is old, but so is Trump. Like, we have two old people running for president. If you have a problem with that, then we need to nominate different people. But the fact is, you make a good point about stuttering, because Joe Biden has stuttered since he was a kid. That didn't start when he was in his 80s. (laughs) It started when he was, you know, not even a teenager. Right. And, and, and when people, it's like, and where, and where does everything start from? It starts from the Congress, okay? Is he, you know, it's like, and this, this thing is like, we had these midterms. It, 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 it bothers my mind that 
you put a man in office, but then you don't go and vote in the midterms. And how can he work with a Congress that's against him? That's all. Yeah, well, and then we get into all these other questions about our democracy, Johnny, right? Like, and I feel like I, I say them all the time, but I, it's almost like the chorus to a song that we need to memorize, you know, statehood for, for D.C. So that then we wouldn't have this uh, log jam in the Senate, right? Because D.C., even though it's not as chocolate as it used to be, is still a, you know, is still a fairly chocolate city, and it is a Democratic bastion. Statehood for Puerto Rico if they want it. Boom, two more senators that are not going to be voting with that GOP block. Um, you know, proportionate representation. Why does California have two senators and Rhode Island has two senators? We've got a whole nation over here. Um, getting rid of the filibuster. You know, getting rid of the Electoral College would have eliminated um, several of our recent Republican presidents. All of these things would have America in a much better position than we are currently in. It's KBLA Talk 1580. Say the quiet part out loud. KBLA Talk 1580. We are and uh, all eyes on Iowa today um, as we look at the first step in the Republican, well, it's not really the first step, but the first um, voter-involved step in the uh, Republican selection of their nominee, which seems to be a foregone conclusion. I do want to take a moment to thank everyone who came out on um, Friday to our Martin Luther King climate justice announcement. It's a huge campaign, uh, one year, 365 days, KBLA Talk 1580, teaming up with some major partners to make a dent in the climate emergency, um, to raise awareness, to push policy initiatives. We will be having a number of um, events that you can participate in and campaigns that you can be part of. We are teaming up with LA Metro, uh, the Department of Water and Power, the um, uh, AM, uh, AQMD, um, and, and uh, the Port of L.A. and others to really look at climate justice. Uh, as Tavis says, climate justice is racial justice. Well, we know that environmental racism is a, is a thing, and we know that our communities, uh, BIPOC communities, black areas, tend to be more profoundly impacted. So making sure that we are not only informed, but that we have a seat at the table when these huge decisions are being made. The mayor of Los Angeles was out at our event, as was as were top officials from the DWP, uh, Stephanie Wiggins of, of LA Metro, uh, Supervisor Holly J. Mitchell, who is, you know, a progressive member of the LA County Board of Supervisors, who has been consistent in her um, quest to address the climate emergency. It's, it seems like an issue that is so overarching, but is easily sort of overlooked or swept under the carpet. She's been uh, consistently outspoken and also a consistent supporter of this radio station. So uh, it was great to see her. And just the, the number of journalists, particularly um, black journalists who came out to cover this initiative was very encouraging. Um, the LA Times came out. It was it, watch this space. There's going to be a lot going on. It is 
uh, important that all of us take a role in this. And I do think, you know, when you talk about racial justice, when you talk about jobs uh, and justice, uh, you really have to look at what's going on with our climate emergency. And as the solutions emerge, how we make sure that black folks and low-income communities are disproportionately represented in the solutions since we are disproportionately bearing the burden of those harms. Certainly, that is a fitting conversation. It's a fitting campaign, and it is an, a wildly appropriate initiative to kick off our Martin Luther King Jr. celebration, whether you're celebrating for a day, a week, or a month. It, it almost seems like MLK's birthday is a month-long celebration these days, and I am not mad at that, gearing us up for Black History Month. Be talking with uh, Chiquita Twyman, the sister uh, of Ryan Twyman, and find out about that story when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580.